read this morning in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. All these died in faith without receiving their promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that when they were strangers and exiles on the earth, but those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Beloved, this has been quite a week with everything that's been going on, not only in the world, but in our world. Um, you know, uh, we have gone to a lot of funerals this past week. Beverly Kenzie, our dear sister in Christ, passed away while down in Florida. that Geneva Guesses, one of our, our members here, one of her brothers passed away. We know there's been a couple of bad wrecks out on the interstate and uh, people have been killed in those. We didn't know them personally, but there just seems to be a lot of death going on. Then yesterday evening, our sister Hilda Lynn at 97 years of age left her home on this earth. And <clears throat> last week, Frankie Sherry, after some of the funerals that we and the deaths that we had and everything, he, we sang this song. And then Frankie made the comment and said, you know, with everything happening and all the losses that we've been having with our loved ones, this song has new meaning and new perspective. And I was thinking the same thing, brother. You, you know, sometimes, and, and we just, we're creatures of habit, and we get that way, and we, and we get into where we just go through the motions of some time, you know. We ought not to do that as God's Christian, but, but we, uh, as God's people, but we do that sometimes, like during the communion, you know. We, we're not really concentrating on the, the sacrifice of Christ. We got our mind on maybe the ham in the oven or something. You ladies still cook, don't you? Or, or something like that, you know. And, and, and we just, we, we just kind of sing songs that, we, that we're familiar with, and we don't really listen and, and think about that. And I want us to do that, brothers and sisters, today, because that song is true. This world for God's child is not my home. I love that song. Because to the Christian, this world, this life is just a, a, a quick journey on the way to our permanent home. Some people say about a particular house they buy here on the earth and they really love it and they'll say, this is going to be our forever home. It ain't. It's going to be gone. But our home, as we just read in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, our permanent home, brothers and sisters, as God's children is in heaven. And the Bible teaches us, as it says there and in John 14, that our home is being prepared Preparation is being made for our arrival. Our mansion, our house, our whatever you, our dwelling place, as Jesus called, is being built. You know who it's being built by, according to what we just read in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, and John 14, 1 through 4? You know who it's being built by? God and Jesus. How good an architect are they, brethren? 
Heaven is a prepared place. We're not going to get there and they say, oh, well, you, let me see now. Where are you going to stay? We, we're going to put you over here in a tent until we can get everything worked out. No, 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 brothers and sisters. Y'all know John 14, the first four verses. Jesus says, um, that let not your heart be troubled. He's just telling his disciples that he's going to be murdered, nailed to a cross, and put to death. And, and then right after that, he said, don't worry, though. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. He said before that, I'm sorry, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, I would have told you. He said, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, there I will be so that you may be also. Brothers and sisters, what in the world? Why would you build a house for somebody and then not come get them to live in it? We need to understand that this world is not our home. Don't you love homecomings? Because heaven is preparing for our homecoming. I love homecomings, you know. Uh, Y'all ever do your, your family reunion, you know? The Greens used to do that, you know. And, and, uh, and we'd have family reunions, and I'd find out I had some real pretty distant cousins, you know, and things like that. And, and, uh, and, and no, you, you love them, you know. You get together, all the old women come up and grab you by the cheek and pull you about three inches. Oh, he's so cute, and all that stuff, you know. And you eat more food than you can possibly ever hold down. In it. It's such a wonderful, wonderful time. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, and many of our brothers and sisters, I believe, who have gone on are anxiously awaiting for that day for us to join them. Beloved, I hope we as Christians here on this earth are longing to get to our heavenly home. The journey through this life has been a long and hard road for many. For some, it's probably not been hard enough because uh, suffering helps us keep our focus on Christ and we get it off. We get tired of traveling, though, sometimes, don't we? And we're ready to reach our destination. Hilda Lynn was tired of traveling. I had a good talk with her about a week ago. She was ready. But you know what, brothers and sisters, those of us who are left here, we're going to have to travel along as long and and, and as we have to, I say long compared to earth years, and we're going to have to continue to travel no matter how rough the road may be because Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. And if we're faithful to God, we'll not be deterred because we know that when we finally cross that Jordan River into the promised land, it will have been worth the journey. No matter what we've had to sacrifice and suffer to get there, it will have been worth the journey. But, beloved, what concerns me today, quite frankly, is that many Christians don't seem to realize that this world isn't their home. It's like they really set down roots. Many have quit traveling. They decide to settle on this side of the Jordan, as we say. Many of God's people act and plan and live as if this earth is their final destination, their final dwelling place. And the Bible teaches, as we know, that heaven is our home to the faithful Christian, not this world. So, but beloved, when we can really grasp this, when we can really grasp the meaning of that song and, and what the Scripture says, then we uh, understand that, then we're going to have a completely different outlook as Christians on this world and on our life and the way we live while we're here in this world. One 
we will put more emphasis on the eternal. We need to do that. We're no longer going to be concerned with the temporary things of this world. You know why? This is simple, but precisely because they're temporary. Do you realize that the vast majority of what we worry and fret over won't even exist 100 years from now? You understand that? That was brought home to me when my wife and I moved to Garnett, Kansas, a little old town, you know, um, um, in a mission work out there and everything, and we bought a 100-year-old two-story house. That thing was a big old monstrosity, a big old a farmhouse and everything, we put a lot of blood and sweat and tears in that house fixing it up for the eight years that we lived there. We move away. A few years later, the next-door neighbor sent us some uh, pictures, and the city had come in and taken a bulldozer and dozed over everything we had done, and it was all one empty lot. That's the way it's going to be, brothers and sisters, the material things that we work so hard to obtain and to maintain are going to be destroyed. Brethren, we'll realize when we understand the world is not our home, that this earth is going to pass away, but that our souls and the things that matter are going to last for an eternity. That's why Jesus reminds us in Matthew 6, 19, that we need to lay up treasures in heaven. That's where we're going to be permanently. Would you invest in an island that's sinking? You know? Don't invest in something that's going to be destroyed, brethren. There's too many laying up treasures on the earth as if this is where we're going to stay. We don't have time for God, do we? We're too busy acquiring physical things and keeping up with them things. And since this life is just a journey, we ought to pack light, you know. That's the reason many get tired of traveling. They're carrying a heavy, heavy load. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 reminds us during this earthly race that we're to throw off or cast off anything that hinders us from running that race, right? The early Christians weren't weighed down with the things of this world. That's why when their property was taken as they were persecuted, they were able to endure because they knew that property was just temporary anyway. And because they realized there was something far greater that lay ahead, a home with God that no one could take away. Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26, talks about that with Moses, right? By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Brethren, we, we go over that lightly. There's a world of meaning in that phrase. He would have been the next Pharaoh. He would have been probably the most powerful, richest man on the face of the earth. He chose to give that up, right? Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Well, how could he do that? For he was looking to the reward. Paul says something from, similar to that in Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, he gave all of his credentials in this world and all the things that he had. Paul was a very well-to-do gentleman at one time. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. Brethren, that's being sweet in this particular version. It literally means dung, so that I may gain Christ. Paul says, 
there's a surpassing value in knowing Christ. And if I have to, I have to give up every other thing to know Christ, I'll do it and count it as nothing but a pile of manure. We need to have that attitude, brothers and sisters. And when we decide and determine and realize this world is not our home, we'll set our mind where our world, where our home is, right? We'll set our mind on the things above. I'm told by people that were in the military, and especially like World War II, when people had to be gone for years at a time, that you didn't come home on a weekend leave in the midst of the battle. And they said that, one of the things that kept them going was they always thought of home. That was always on their mind, getting home. If we understand this world is not our home, then we'll set our mind where our home is, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, uh, Romans 6 explained that when you're baptized into Christ, you're raised up out of that watery grave, you're raised up with Christ. So keep seeking that's a permanent condition, not something you do every now and then. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of, on the earth. Beloved, we'll do that a whole lot better, right? We'll view everything from the standpoint of eternity, and we'll no longer live as if this world is all that there is and all that matters. We'll see the world's wealth and ambition and activities and their true value, which means birth little, or as Paul says, a pile of manure, that they're going to not last. Where's your mindset at, brethren? Where's our mindset? Is, is it on the things of this earth for the most part? Or is it mainly on our heavenly home? Brethren, when we understand that this world is not our home, We'll quit trying to impress and imitate and be like the world. I don't know why Christians try to do that. I was talking about one time dressing in an immoral fashion, and one of the young ladies in the class said, a teenage young lady said, oh, but Mr. Green, you don't understand. We don't want to look different than the world. No, sweetie, you don't understand. That's exactly what we're to do. There'll be no more of that keeping up with the Joneses. Because what the Joneses have is going to be gone also. And we'll quit going along with the crowd. We'll quit, we'll quit compromising with the world. We'll dare to be different. And we'll no longer worry about what the worldly person, the lost person thinks or says about us, what the enemies of the cross think of us. People that mock Christians. Why are we worried about that, brothers and sisters? They're not too wise or they'd be a Christian themselves. Amen. So why don't we worry about that? We'll quit trying to please those folk and begin to live to please Jesus Christ. As the Bible says, that Paul says, we make it our ambition to be well-pleasing to God. And when we do that, brothers and sisters, when our ambition is to be pleasing to God, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring those unsaved people to Christ in droves. Another amen. We're no longer conformed to this world. Why would somebody want to become a Christian when they look at Christianity in general and see that well, the way we live is very little different than the way they live? Oh, well, then people do go to church on Sunday, but I watch them, they live like me the rest of the week. I know, preacher done started meddling, right? We'll quit trying to 
please others and begin to please God, and then we'll be doing God's will, brothers and sisters, and we'll no longer conform ourselves to this world as Hebrews 12, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 tell us not to do, okay? Therefore, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, or some versions say reasonable, service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. He tells us straight up, brethren. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Brothers and sisters, why do we want to conform ourselves to something that's not going to last? Why do we want to conform ourselves with a group of people that unless we share God and Jesus with them are going to be lost and are hell-bound right now? Far from being conformed to this world, we are to be the transformers of this world, according to the Scripture. Instead of being uh, conformists, we're to be transformers. We're to be the movers and the shakers of this world, or in the terminology of Jesus, the salt and the light of this earth. Instead of trying to be like the world, we'll change the world to be like Christ when we understand this world is not our home. And then thirdly, we'll stand for and with God instead of the world. We'll stand with God. We'll stand with God. That's the solid foundation. Jesus is our firm foundation. The Bible said everything else is shaky, unstable, sinking sand. And if you're a Christian, then wear that name the way you should and stand for God. Many Christians have become so worldly they can't see the difference between them and the world. They've compromised with the world. Standing with God, or standing with the world, I should say, brothers and sisters, is standing against God. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. That is emphatic. You cannot do that. That you'll cling to the one and, and, and hate the other. I'm going to stand for and with God, who is the solid rock, and there should be no doubt whatsoever where we stand brothers and sisters this world is not our home it is sinking sand it's going to be destroyed and so get on the winning team the victorious side the eternal side and stay with god that ought to be as simple as reading a first grade book we ought to understand that but we get that so mixed when we understand this world is not our home, fourthly, and the lesson is yours, we will, all, we will the, our love affair with the world, we will understand that a love affair with the world is trouble, brethren. You can't play with fire and not get burned. I've tried. Literally, I've tried. When you put more emphasis on the fleeting things of this world than on God, than on the eternal, brethren, we're headed for trouble. A love affair with the world has caused many to lose their souls. In the, in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 22, Jesus said the cares and the worries and the riches of this world, what? Choke the word. Becomes unfruitful. In Matthew 19, 22, the rich young man, when Jesus told him what he needed to do, and he said, I've I, done all these things from my youth up. What else do I lack? He asked the question, be careful what you ask. Jesus told him, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me, and you'll have eternal life. You'll have a home in heaven. 
And you know what? He, the young man heard that statement. He went away grieving. He went away sorrowful with somebody and said, why? Because he had a lot of property, material things on this earth. And he wasn't willing to give up the temporary in order to gain the eternal. 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says that Demas, having loved this present world, had left it, deserted it. Friendship with the world, the Bible says, quite frankly, brothers and sisters, is, is against God. You can't serve two masters. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 explains why, doesn't it? Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? Because all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. The world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives for 10,000 years. Forever. Right? That's where our emphasis ought to be. James 4 verse 4 tells us this. You adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Brothers and sisters, a ship is safe as long as it's in the water, okay? But when the water gets in the ship, that's when it gets dangerous. A Christian is safe as long as we're in the world. But when we allow the world to get into us, according to these scriptures, we're in a dangerous situation. That's why James 1.27 tells us pure and undefiled religion is in the sight of our God and fathers to do this. What? To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The only way we can keep ourselves unstained by the world because it's going to happen. My daddy used to say you can't wallow with pigs and not get dirty, right? He'd also say don't wrestle with pigs because you're going to get dirty and the pig loves it. But brethren, we're in the world. We're going, to get, we're going to get stained by the world from time to time. What takes care of that stain? That shout or zout or, or tide extra? The blood of Jesus Christ, beloved. As 1 John 1 said, we've got to keep coming back to that. Let's understand this, beloved. There's no future in this world. The one who attaches himself to this world is going to go terribly wrong. We need to understand that because it's passing away. But the one who has God in his life, who's given himself to God completely and surrendered to him, as the Bible says to do, then he has that which is eternal. He has that which is going to last forever, beloved. The question this morning, and, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one being forced to think about this this week with all of the funerals and deaths that we have of people that we know and love. The question is, are we to accept the world standards or the standards of God? Jesus asked another important question concerning this world and its temporary nature. He said, what? Does it profit a man if he gained the whole world, this world, this temporary world? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? Beloved, this world's a sinking ship. It's not going to last. We need to understand that. 
God in his great love has provided you a way to, to get off this sinking ship, a way of salvation through the sacrifice and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and you need to reach for him as quickly as a drowning man would reach for a life preserver that's been thrown to him. And incidentally, brothers and sisters, who's supposed to be out there throwing the life preservers to those people sinking in sin? Thank you. If you're not a Christian this morning, give your life to God. Because you know what, quite frankly, brethren, a funeral reminds me, I want to see you in heaven. I do. I want to see everybody in heaven. The Bible says that's God's desire, that he's not willing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. And if you're willing today to repent of your sins, confess Jesus to be your Lord and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins and then serve the Lord faithfully, one day when this world is destroyed and everything in it, you'll be with Jesus forever. Let's don't miss that, brethren. Not for anything in this temporary world. If you need to respond, come now while we stand and sing.